Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Irregular Bitches, the bad language podcast for us fabulous women who are in any one of these seven stages. You ready, Lou? It's Go like the dwarf. It. This is the menopause dwarf. It's another list. Itchy, bitchy, sweaty, sleepy, bloated, forgetful and psycho. <laughs> Most of the above. Frankly. Which one are you today? <laughs> Can I be all of them? <laughs> I'm Sarah Kaywood. Psycho, and I used to pop up on the telly box before kids in advancing years put the kibosh on that. Ageism? No. And my truly, truly wonderful co-host Aww. is my really rather wonderful friend, Louise Mitchell. How are you, darling? I'm good, thank you. Um, I'm getting over my, um, it rhymes with crustacean. Eustacean. Eustacean tube infection. You can ask our today's guest about this. Eustacean you know, tubes to. are nasty. I'm not going to because I know GPs, whenever they meet anyone, the first thing anybody ever says to them is, oh, can I just tell you about? So I'm not, I'm going to keep my crustacean infection to myself. Eustacean. Eustacean infection to myself. Um, but How what did I you get gonna, that? Oh, I think I'm just Normally down. it's like swimming or something, I yeah, think. Yeah, no, I haven't been doing any of that. I just think, tired. <laughs> I think that's it. Run oh, down. Tired, I'm fine. But it I'm wasn't fine. COVID related, no. No, it's not COVID related. Well, I've, I've had a cold this week, <laughs> which um, my daughter gave to me and I then gave to my mum at half term. And on the journey here, it was just having to suppress productive coughs all the way. Uh, they're productive, yeah. they're not dry. And I never had a fever and I didn't lose my taste and smell. But I don't, you know, I, I might get a t-shirt made that says, keep calm, it's just a cold. Yeah, I agree. Because, although it's a good way to get a seat on a tube, I suppose. <laughs> <Yeah>, socially distanced <laughs> from the lady going <laughs> exactly. underneath her mask. I was a bit worried I might have to keep taking it off to blow my nose, but... Well, just it was all right. I managed it, to mate. not be too snotty all the way here. Should we crack on? <laughs> Let's with, do it. Oh, I'm really excited. really excited. My mum is very, very in love with Dr. Carl. <laughs> really? Well, our guest this week is a man of medicine who's hopefully going to answer some of the burning questions that we've asked Dr. Google. We He'll have. be so cross about that and had no real solid answers for. Or you get too many answers for them or not enough. Or you can't. It's Wikipedia and yeah, you don't know if it's right yeah. or not. Hallelujah then for a GP quite literally behind a closed door at the moment. It's Dr. Amir Khan. Welcome, Amir. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be on. Thank you so for being excited here. to have you here. I don't know whether it's because my dad, he's a retired surgeon, he's nearly 80 now, but I just love doctors. Oh, they've got the whole power thing going on. But it's not even that. I, just, I think it's Mary, it's, it's the. Now, is erudition a word? The, or maybe they're erudite and they have wisdom? Yes. Right. But it's that. I like a brainy man. Yes. I do, yeah. And I like a man who knows his way around an inner ear. 
Me too. Which is... I definitely know my way around it in her ear. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, lose your station. I'm your man. She's had an infection in her eustachian tubes. <laughs> which I swore oh, no. I wasn't going to talk to you about. <laughs> no, we're not. No, you can. You, honestly, you are right, though, because whenever I go anywhere, and because I've been on the telly and, and all that kind of stuff, wherever I go, I had, I had a man in the garden centre pull his pants down in front of me, <gasps> revealing everything to oh. tell me about a, a rash in his groin. Oh, that's And he just accidentally rude. pulled his um, oh. underwear off as well. No. Oh, really? Oh, no yeah, one needs it was that. awful. No and and uh, we got told off by the staff and had to oh. leave because they thought we were part of some kind of pervert. Really? It was awful. That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> it was horrendous. It is, but I tell you what, there is something about doctors that desexualizes your body. So, you know, if I had something wrong with my nipple, I'd just, just whack, whack it out. out. Do you know what I mean? You just, just whack it out. I mean, and I can never, you know, I'm never, I've never been the kind of person that's embarrassed when I go to the doctor. That's good. That's what we want because, uh, but but just not it's in the garden centre. Just the not surgery. in the middle of a garden centre <laughs> behind one of your little curtained rooms. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Carr. There is so much myth and mystery around the menopause. All the M's used there. That was completely accidental alliteration. Um, And we just wanted somebody straight talking to sort of tell us exactly what's going on, why certain things are happening. I actually read a newspaper article recently um, where it was a woman, a menopausal woman that was writing it, who basically was just saying that we need to just shut up and get on with it. And she was also inferring that a lot of the symptoms of the menopause that signs. people mention... Signs. Because we're not so, ill. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Um, a lot of the signs are, are probably in our heads or a bit made up because there are loads, aren't there? Yeah. There I just, are loads, lo- yeah. Lou likes so, brogling around in her ears. That's maybe why I've got a crustacean infection. Um, <laughs> so I can't call you a mirror. I've got to call you Dr. Khan. Sorry, it's a bit like a headmaster thing. Um, when somebody of our age, so late 40s, early 50s, walks into your surgery and starts talking about hot flushes and not sleeping particularly well, what's your sort of go-to conversation, I suppose? Yeah, my, my first thing I do is really listen to them because I'm a man and I've got to be really honest about it. You know, I'm not going to experience all of that. Sure. But I've learned about it, I've read about it, and I've seen patients with it. And what's really important is that it will affect people in different ways. So there will be women like the, the person who wrote that article, perhaps, who have minimal uh, signs, whereas there'll be people who have really severe signs and, and, and it really affects them. And it's important for me just to gauge that from a patient. And, and listen to how it's affecting them. And the, the, the only real questions I ask them, because they, they, they're quite forthcoming with how they're feeling, is, is how it affects them in the daytime, at work, with their family, and then again at night, how it affects their sleep. And I think that's those are the kind of things that, that give me an idea of, of how severe the signs are for them. And then I really talk to them about what's happening with their bodies, really, because it's it's a it's a really slow process the menopause there's years of kind of the in between bit where your hormones are, are are almost fighting against each other to try and force your ovaries to release an egg when there aren't many eggs left and all these kind of signs that you might get through that and then afterwards as well and lots of women uh, in my experience, and bearing in mind I work in, in Bradford where it's a very multicultural kind of diverse population, a lot of women have have some issues coming to terms with not having periods anymore and not being fertile anymore. And that's something, you know, I, I, I understand why they would and, and why 
that can affect them mentally as well as physically. Absolutely. Yeah, I think definitely you. I mean, we've even come across a couple of of people that we've approached as guests, and you know, that I think the fertility is caught up weirdly with sexiness. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, as soon as you're yeah. you can't bear children anymore, there's I don't know. It's not that we're not. You know, we do still have sex. We can still be sexy, but it's just I don't know. It's it's virgin mother crone, isn't it? It's we're pro- we're approaching the uh, the third bit now. <laughs> I wonder where that was going. That was yeah. Well, that's that's the pagan wheel, like father, son, I love holy it when spirit. She gets into this, yeah, it's virgin mother crone. <laughs> so you know, virgin and mother still quite sexy. Crone. Not so sexy. No, crone sounds very ugly. I think we might have to find another <laughs> another phrase. Well, yeah, but but we are. That's what I'm saying. We are. We can be sexy crones. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think they're called um, cougars, right? Oh, yeah. oh, no. oh, my husband's ten years younger than me, darling. So, Doctor Khan, why when? Uh, women are perimenopausal. So for me, actually, it's been less physical manifestations and the signs have been more mental and not anxiety, but um, rage, the rage and the mood swings and impatience and frustration. And I would wake up never really knowing what version of myself, me or my family were going to get. And I just wanted to be constant. But Lou and I have reviewed our hormone lives on over the course of the Mm. podcast and actually I've always been somebody who I, w- I didn't have PMS but I, d- I used to have you know pretty severe for a week or so PMT probably so yeah. why when you go to the doctors is, is their default to, to prescribe an antidepressant which yeah lots je- of people have that experience yeah no people definitely do have that experience and, and there's a number of reasons for that so Really, when, when you are going through the menopause, uh, you, there, there are several hormones that are that are kind of trying to work against each other, balance each other out. Uh, the, the first thing, you know, everybody kind of thinks about estrogen, but it's so much more than just estrogen levels dropping. Initially, uh, you know, every month, normally you would release an egg and that would, uh, that would either become fertilized or not and you'd have your period. And all of that revolves around a massive kind of hormone cycle that starts off in your brain uh, when it's the right time to, to, to release an egg. A hormone uh, is stimulated, something called follicle-stimulating hormone, which goes off to your ovaries, says, right, now it's time to release an egg estrogen levels rise and it's a big kind of complex endocrine system all of that affects your mood as well different hormones affect your moods even the sex hormones will affect your mood Uh, and and when estrogen levels start to drop uh, this follicle stimulating hormone starts to rise all of that can cause uh, what we call uh, emotional lability. So you, you, can, you can become emotional, emotionally labile, I think is the medical term. Which What's makes labile it sound very unsta- mean? It means a little bit unstable, which oh, is right, a okay. really hmm. poor use of that's medical terminology. Negative, but isn't it? Yeah. Well, it, well, it yeah. is, but it's also, it's not that far from the truth, let's be honest. <laughs> some of us I have to be very careful as a man <laughs> what words I use yeah. Yeah. We can get away <laughs> with a lot more. Yeah, we, we can say that. <laughs> you can say it. <laughs> so... When, when people come to, to talk to us about the treatment for, for the menopause, and it's, and it's always up to the women, you know, what treatment they want, our job should be to give them the, the information and the options. It shouldn't be to impose anything specific on them. Uh, HRT, hormone replacement therapy, uh, comes with risks and lots of benefits as, as well. And we have to be mindful about which women can have it and which women can't have it. But 
when we look at antidepressants, which is what your question was was about, and a specific group of antidepressants, uh, there is evidence that they don't just help with the mood side of the menopause. They can help with some of the other symptoms, like the hot flushes. Uh, uh, and so that's ah. why we talk about antidepressants as, as part, of, part of it. Yeah, it's not just for your mood. I promise you, it is. It, it, if hormone replacement therapy isn't the right option for that particular lady, these group of antidepressants called SSRIs may well be a, a second best option yeah. for, well, for I, her. I mean, I'm and, on, and it's not just for your mood. I'm on both. That makes sense. But that was because... Do, I've had lots of plays to spin recently and when I rang my doctor in a bit of a I was basically hysterical and and he said how's your concentration which I thought was a bit of a weird question and I, I said well I can't concentrate you know I'm dropping you know the plate the spinning plates are dropping everywhere and so he put me on duoxetine and I'm not joking mm-hmm. it is like now I I do I've got a couple of zoom calls in the last month or so but I don't re- considering how much I've got going on I managed to tick off most of the stuff and I'm sure that that's improved because of that. I'm just wondering, Dr. Khan, if this is a lot down to how much time GPs have to spend with each patient and actually they don't have yeah. the time to explain what they're thinking behind what they're doing is. Well, yes and no. 10 minutes is a really pressurised kind of time. Right. But the way I think about it is it's not my 10 minutes, it's the patient's 10 minutes. And my my job is is to give them the information. And we've got to remember that they, they don't have to make the decision within that appointment. We can arrange a follow-up appointment. We can arrange a telephone appointment to ring them after they've, they've mulled it over a little bit. Uh, and, and so nobody should be feeling pressured to make a decision about the treatment of their menopausal signs within that 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 time frame you should okay. feel comfortable enough and your gp should make you feel comfortable enough to either make the decision if you feel you have all the information or to go away and think about it but yes you're right gps do feel uh, the, the time pressure 10 minutes isn't enough and and that can sometimes affect the quality of the consultation i just think some of the explanation gets lost like I yeah. never knew that. Yeah. I never realised right. that some. Yeah, I don't think anybody's ever explained that to me before. So thank you very much. With HRT, there was. I mean, I know a lot of women, even and on the feeling flush page on Facebook that we, um, Lou and I, are members of, and we've spoken to one of the founders of on the podcast. A lot of women are very fearful of taking HRT because mm. of this link between HRT and your elevated risk of breast cancer. Um, can you just go into that for us a little bit? Was that debunked, or is that still a thing in certain? women um because i mean i've have stopped smoking now but i was taking hrt and i'd rather that with a slightly elevated risk of breast cancer than the banshee that i am without it because my understanding is we're over that now that the the link has has been explained away yes so the the link has been explained away so you know, if if you're relatively low risk for breast cancer in that, you know, you don't, you haven't got a personal history of it. So women who have had breast cancer can't have HRT. Right. That is still the guidance. That's so if you've had a personal history of, of, of it, nothing is really set in stone. So even though I wouldn't be able to prescribe it, I could refer that woman if she's very insistent on, on HRT because her menopausal signs are so severe, I could refer her to see a specialist gynecologist who could perhaps take on prescribing it. So if, if you find yourself in that category where you've had breast cancer, your menopausal symptoms, and often the treatment of, of breast cancer can bring on an early menopause. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so they, their symptoms may be quite prolonged, then then you can be referred to see a gynecologist who, who may be willing to take the risk of prescribing it. But GPs can't prescribe 
HRT to right. women who have had breast cancer. And is it, is it yeah. just breast cancer or is it other types of cancer as well? Uh, so other types of cancer are important. So when we prescribe HRT, we prescribe a combination usually of estrogen and progesterone. Estrogen can't be allowed to run freely through your body because that can increase your risk of endometrial or womb lining cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need something to balance it out, which is what the progesterone does. And that would, is what would naturally happen in, in, in women's bodies. Uh, so, so it's really important if, you, if you've got a uterus, you haven't had a hysterectomy, that you're on HRT that contains both estrogen and progesterone. Uh, If you've had a hysterectomy, and lots of women can have a hysterectomy and keep their ovaries or have a hysterectomy Mm. and take their ovaries out, uh, uh, then you don't have to have the progesterone part because there isn't that increased risk of uh, womb lining cancer. And you can actually have just the estrogen. Uh, So it depends on your personal history in terms of your your gynecology. But yes, there is a, a theoretical risk of the estrogen being linked to endometrial cancer or womb lining cancer if progesterone isn't given alongside it. But if progesterone is given alongside it, then it's relatively safe. So you don't need to worry about that. So could you explain to me why, and again, I don't know if this is still relevant, but it's given like a timescale of five years for taking HRT. Is that still something? Yes. So it's a bit of an old school thought, that one, in that we, we, we hope that women who are on HRT after five years have come through the menopause uh, and so shouldn't need it after that that period of, of, of time. So so that that that's it. Remember being on HRT, there is a small increased risk of developing uh, uh, blood clots as well. And that increases your risk of perhaps a heart attack or a, or a stroke. Very, very small increased risk. So we don't want women to be on this for longer than they need to be, which is why that five year period is there. Which makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. And if you, um, I have that we have a family friend who is in her seventies and claims that as soon as she stops taking her HRT, her symptoms come back. Is she just talking poppycock? No, no. I've got uh, so several she wants patients to stay like that on as well. Mm. Yeah. Yes, and and as long as they understand the risks, and this is this is where it's really important for me. You know, patients, as long as it's their decision, it's their bodies. You know, like I say, my job is just to give them the information and for them to decide. Obviously, I wouldn't give them anything that is overtly dangerous. However, if if they feel that the benefits of taking HRT for longer outweighs the risks and they can, you know, really tell me that in real language when I explain it to them and they can tell me it back, uh, I would continue to prescribe it for them. And many doctors do because because you know, the, the, the signs and symptoms of, of menopause can be very severe for, for people, probably like this 70-year-old woman that you're, you're talking about. Oh, My okay. mum was on HRT from age 39 when she had a hysterectomy, and I don't know when she came off, but she's 70, and it's only been recent. Really? <laughs> she's been having very stern conversations <laughs> with her GP. She just saw such yeah. a positive benefit from it that it's like, I don't want yeah. to come off. So she didn't. No, and that's the thing. You know, we will keep reminding women if they're on, right. on it for longer than five years, you know, say, make sure you know the risks. And it's important that every time we see them, we will remind them of it. And if they accept it, we will continue to prescribe it for them. Irregular. Bitches. Dr. Khan, I'm not, I mean, so obviously I've kind of explained to you that I'm on a cocktail of different drugs, but I have never really been somebody that wants to be on any. So is there any way, like at the moment... I'm coming out the worst of 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 the difficult period, which the duoxetine was as a result of. Life starting to look like it's going to be getting a lot back to normal. The anxieties have subsided. Could I try and come off the HRT? 
or obviously the antidepressants I, I need to be on for another four months because I've only been on, on them for a couple of months. It's a minimum of six. And I've only ever yeah. had taken them for event-led stuff. So I'm not like a lifelong antidepressant person. But what? But I'm sort of intrigued to know whether I should try and come off the HRT or whether I should just, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think that's a very personal choice. So if you feel that you're ready to come off it, there is a risk that the symptoms will come back. And also there is a risk that starting, stopping, starting, stopping mm-hmm. the HRT increases the risks of things like blood clots, uh, high blood right. pressure, uh, and and in, if there is a higher risk of breast cancer, it can increase that as well. So you are better off taking it for longer than stopping it. Or mm. if you are going to stop it, if you start it again, you've just got to be careful that there is that increased risk in that. Yeah, usually within the first three to six yeah. months. Of I think starting that maybe you know I still have periods, so maybe just wait until yeah they've really abated. Don't fix yeah. it. Yeah, one of the Thank questions you. that has come through a lot is. Once it's over, once we've gone through menopause, do you go back to how you felt before? Do you feel like your normal self again or is it just a changed version? Because people who've suffered extreme signs feel like they've lost themselves and they just want to know, am I going to get myself back? So a lot of that is is the mood issues that come along with having the menopause and the perimenopausal state, which is that in-between state. Once you go through it, yes, you are going to be different because you're not having periods anymore and mm-hmm. you, you, know, you won't get those cyclical symptoms that you would have got uh, prior to the menopause. But your mood should be back to where it was. So the way you feel about mm-hmm. yourself should be back to where where it was. But again, it's different for every single person. So if that isn't you, you mustn't feel like you've let yourself down or let anyone down. Just speak to your doctor and we can help. And it's important to say, you know, we've talked about HRT and we've talked about the SSRI antidepressants, but there are other medications as well that if you can't take HRT and antidepressants isn't a line you want to go down. There are other medication as well. So it's, there's, there's very specific medication you can take for hot flushes. If, if hot flushes are your main sign of, of the menopause and that's what's debilitating for you, there is a tablet called clonidine, which we can use, which actually is used for high blood pressure, but is being found to be effective for hot flushes. And that's something uh, that, that you can use. Uh, there are uh, other drugs that we can use called gabapentin and pregabalin, again, used for other things originally, but have been found to be effective for some of the signs and symptoms of the of the menopause. So don't lose hope if HRT isn't for you and mm. you don't want to go on, on to antidepressants. There's nothing wrong with going on, to, on antidepressants, sure. but it might not be for you. So there are other things. So don't feel like you can't talk to your doctor because we have a whole arsenal of weapons for use. <laughs> Amazing. The, the, uh, <laughs> I love <laughs> the, the thought of being weapons. Um, there is a stereotype of postmenopausal women being sort of angry, isn't mm. there? And a moany. Yeah. And is that because and the estrogen's gone? I wouldn't agree with that. We all know women who have gone through the menopause who are absolutely lovely before, during and mm-hmm. after it. Estrogen is the thing that makes the vulva, which is the outer part of the vagina, plump and, and moist. And after the menopause, that can become very thin and, and can become quite sore as well. And that might be the only sign or symptom that someone may have from the menopause. And they could find that difficult in terms of intercourse or, or, or anything really. And, and often the symptoms of that can be confused with a urine retract infection. So if you are a lady who has been through the menopause and has a very thin vulva, and you, when you go to the toilet, you, you go, go through bouts of 
finding it painful to, to wee and it feels a bit like a urine tract infection in that it burns. And then you speak to your doctor and they may give you antibiotics. And if this keeps recurring, think about a condition, it's called atrophic vaginitis, which happens after the menopause, that thinning of the vulva. And just yeah, some oestrogen yes. cream is all you need. And e topical oestrogen uh, creams don't have the same risk as the HRT tablets. So you can use this, put it down there, and it makes a world of difference to a lot of postmenopausal women who have had vulval symptoms. So have a think about that as well. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So what can, is there anything that women can do to help us through the menopause? You know why I stumbled then? Because I thought he's going to say eat well and exercise oh, and I'm going to want to hang myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to carry on eating uh, McDonald's what and I, watching Netflix. Like else. <laughs> what I would say is... is I'm sorry, don't No, and to be fair, that might be your way through the menopause, which is absolutely fine. What I would say is it's easy to, to say, well, I don't want tablets and I don't want to take medication. Uh, and this is just, it's not an illness. It's just a natural part of, of getting older as a woman. Right. But you know what? Why suffer? Why suffer and wait it out? You know, the, the, just Ripple, speak sorry. to your Ripple. doctor and, uh, and, and um, we'll help you. We'll help you. We may not get it right the first time, but we, mm. we, we will get it right uh, and we'll find the right treatment for you. The lifestyle stuff is important, but yeah, it's I was in kidding, conjunction actually. with everything yeah. else, uh, you know, and I wouldn't rely on just the lifestyle stuff to get you through the menopause. If you're really suffering, just speak to us and don't be mm. afraid to take something. It's, it's, it's time limited and it will really make a difference yeah. to how you feel. I have to say, I was, I mean, I've, I was laughing about the eating well and exercising then, but don't we all, you, my husband always says the hardest thing about going for a run is tying your laces. And it's, yeah. uh, and it's very true. Once those laces are tied and you're out the door, um, you, you, you might not enjoy it while you do it, but you never regret exercising. Mm. You never regret, yes. you never go, oh God, I wish I hadn't done that. I do. You, do you? I hate it. With a passion, but no, after, no but afterwards, often. but afterwards, when you're in the shower and you're Dolphins, you're buzzing off them, and do you I'm ever glad think, I've done it. I'm glad there I've done you go. It. I'll you, give you that. You never regret doing exercise. You might. <laughs> you know, not want to do it, but you never regret doing it. And eating well, I've really noticed when I force myself to up my fruit and veg that I do feel mentally in a better place. So I know that we yeah. may all laugh and and uh, sometimes we don't do the things that we need to do, but oh, they yeah. are really important, aren't they, Dr. Khan? 
they are important. You know, exercise, like you say, you, know, you feel better afterwards. It's great for your mood. And the one thing that we can all do, and it's difficult for, and this is the, the, the thing to, to, to be mindful of, particularly around the menopause, you know, one of the things that is really proving beneficial to your overall health is sleep. And if the symptoms of the, the menopause is, are, are, is affecting your sleep, that can affect not just your mood and your weight, it can affect your immune system, your bone health, uh, lots, you know, your cardiovascular health as well. So that's your heart health. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can affect everything. So why, why just wait years and years and years for it to resolve itself when we can help with it? So, so but please I speak find to us. with the sleeping thing, I don't go to sleep till later. I sometimes have problems dropping off. I sometimes have night waking. I don't suffer with the night sweats. They don't get in the way of my sleeping. And then I have to get up early. But I feel fine mm. on less I know, sleep. But, but is that is that is that an illusion? It's an illusion. So your your body will cope with it for some time. Uh, but eventually your circadian rhythm, which manages your uh-huh. day night kind of cycle, uh, will become unbalanced. That will affect lots of different things. It, it affects the levels of inflammation on a cellular level in your in your body, as well as your blood pressure, your heart health, all of this kind of stuff. And it can increase your risk of lots of different things, not just heart disease, strokes, but it can increase your risk of things like cancers as well. So it's really important that we get a seven to eight hours sleep. I know that sounds impossible, but it's really, really important. I mean, I think I'm probably getting, I was up at 6.30 this morning, but I was probably asleep by half 11. So, you know. That's not bad. Yeah, that's what it's not. That's I'm not, not Margaret. I'm not quite Margaret Thatcher yet. I'm not. I'm she not was down. Four, to, wasn't she? she? I'm four, not. Da- four hours. I'm not down Whoa. to four hours a night yet. So <laughs> no. I, and I would be tired. So I think it's probably just that I, you know, I'm better than my husband. He can't exist on less than about ten hours sleep. <laughs> <laughs> he's a terrible sleeper, though. Honestly, he's a he's a he's menopausal. Do you think he's he is? Manipul- it's a thing. It's a thing. Cool. <laughs> Will you come back and talk about it on another episode? I will. Can we pin I you will. down to the menopause? Because I'm convinced it's a thing. I'm absolutely convinced that my husband has for many years, he's on antidepressants, he has anxiety, uh, low mood, um, weight gain. I'm convinced that he is lacking testosterone. I'm Let's convinced. I will talk to you about that. <gasps> right, the midlife crisis so in men. I can talk to you about it. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited for that episode. <laughs> this is great because it means that those of us who have male partners can be either saying, yes, that's him or right, I'm going to look out for that because one of the reasons I'm yes. doing this podcast is for it to be you know much more understood in relationships and in the workplace mm-hmm. and everything what everybody's going through so that would be yeah. just brilliant yeah the way the way Dr Khan talks about it is just so matter of fact isn't it like mm. like I do you know <laughs> vaginal atrophy it's like it's like like you're saying can I get a gingerbread latte which is how it should be yeah, absolutely. We, we've got to do that yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know when I talk to women about their their you know gynae health we shouldn't be using words like down below or your tuppence or anything right. like that. You know, when they come and see me, it's really important they use the right words because it's just the human body. There's nothing to be embarrassed yeah, about. My, it is, my it dad, is something we should be talking about. My dad was like that. Do you want to hear this great story about my sister? We just digress very briefly. Is, is your sister going to mind? No, she was only about four. <laughs> but um, but my, so, my da- so my mum and dad, surgeon, nurse. So we were a family that used vulva, vagina, penis, obviously. Yeah. And, and when my sister learned what a penis and what a vagina were she was obsessed with the difference and so she'd ask every man that she met if he had a penis love it um, and and once <laughs> even asked the postman she was like apparently mum opened the door to get a parcel or whatever he's like hello 
hello, my daddy's got a penis, my brother's got a penis, but I've got a vagina. Have you got a penis? (laughs) (laughs) I love that story. (laughs) And the beauty of that is I bet she asks questions really easily. I bet she's like straight in there. My my children are very, you know, penises and vaginas are discussed over the dinner table. It's not a big, it's not a big deal. Yeah, well, my sister's a podiatrist now, but yeah, she's very, well, she's like her father. She's very pragmatic, a woman of, a woman of science and medicine. Like a daddy. Yeah. So, yes, <laughs> vaginas and penises all the way with no sniggering at the back. Well, from vaginas and penises, I need to go to achingness. Aching? People Do you ache? ache? I don't, but this is what came oh, up yes, on the, we asked, we on asked the social the media. Group, didn't we? There was a lot of people talking about aching joints and aching bones and, you know, sometimes where they can't yeah. sleep. What was that all about? Yeah. Again, it's, it's all to do with dropping levels of estrogen. Estrogen is really good for bone health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when, when estrogen levels drop, women are at increased risk of osteoporosis or thinning of, of the bones. And one of the things, we don't use HRT to treat osteoporosis, but one of the things it can protect against incidentally, if you're taking it, is this thinning of the, of the bones. Uh, and so uh, aching bones and joints can be as a result of lower calcium deposits in your in your bones and, yeah. and that's why i would say it's really important and then we should all be taking vitamin d now but um but it's really important that you take a vitamin d and calcium supplement particularly after the menopause so if if you were to say to us okay there's a there's a, a cocktail of supplements like the most important ones because it's not a cheap route to take but what would no. be your go-to for for perimenopausal women so I don't really have a, a specific go-to that I, I would say to all of my patients, regardless of age and gender, is is everybody, you know, between the, the months, particularly between the months of September to March, when there isn't enough sunlight in the UK, that you should all be taking vitamin D and calcium supplements. But I, I go a little bit further than that. I, I, I would say everybody, every one of us should be taking a multivitamin tablet every single day throughout the year, because our diets uh, may not be varied enough. It may not have enough fruit and veg, uh, but but particularly, uh, like I say, vitamin D, I keep coming back to this because it's so good for your bones, it's so good for your immune system, it's it's really, really important to take. Are you telling me my double cheeseburger is nutrition free? <laughs> you I think that. it might have something to do no, I don't it. think it does. <laughs> I don't think that plastic cheese even has any calcium in it, but you know what? No. I don't have it very often, but my, when I do. You enjoy it. Well, that's the point. 80-20. Yeah, 80-20. That's the one. Irregular. Bitches. What other um, signs do people say? Well, is there really any really random ones we can get Dr. Khan to say, I'm sure that's not perimenopause, that's just bonkers? No, no, it's all, I don't want people to feel that it's all fairly standard but everyone has you know there's ladies who there's, suffer with more migraines for example yeah. um, we've done the itching yeah. nether regions so that's good i'm assuming migraines again is down to fluctuating hormones but it it is yeah um so migraines are 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 more common in women even before the menopause ah. and can be associated with the time of your periods that's a really mm. common time to get migraines and what can happen uh during the perimenopausal phase or even after the menopause is that you continue to get migraines at the time at which you may have had a period, which is really unusual, but it's it's all that those hormones that are still trying to get your ovaries to release an egg, you know, really working hard. And even though they, they're not able to do that, 
there is an element of cyclical hormone release every month to a, to a point until you're really clear of the menopause. So women can still get migraines around that time. And so, yes, and there's, the, the, the treatment for migraines is vast. There's lots yeah. and lots. If you're, if you're getting the odd migraine every now and again, then just taking uh, some paracetamol ibuprofen may be enough. If you're having regular migraines that are, again, debilitating, you can take regular medication every day to stop them or reduce the, the, the frequency. So if that is one of your main menopausal signs, we may be able to kill two birds with one stone in that some of the treatment that we use for the menopause, like those drugs I mentioned, pregabalin and gabapentin, can actually be used to help prevent migraines as well. So we may be able to, to do that. And we will do always do our best to try and minimize the amount of medication you need. Uh, but if your symptoms are really severe, don't suffer at home. That is my main message today. Don't suffer at home. Absolutely. Come and talk to us. There's no point in suffering. There's, there's treatment available. There, that's one of my take-homes, I think. People are sort of getting used to talking about it. They've seen what we're doing, responded to, to our, you know, we're seeing Dr. Khan ask, answer your questions. But they're still suffering at home. So they're happy to share yeah. on social media or with their friends. Again, that's yeah. why we're here. But not go to the doctor and say, I've got these crushing headaches, I'm, migraines, I believe they're associated with um, with perimenopause. It's like we've got used to just getting on with it. And that's yes. been a big take home from talking to you, Dr. Khan, is just yeah. to say, don't. Go to the doctor. Don't, there's no point. There's no point. Right. I'm terrible with pain and suffering. If, I, if I'm suffering, I will take something for it. I have to say, yeah, when my children were younger and they were teething, I remember, um, you know, giving them the old Calpol Nurofen duo. And, and I think my mum once said, well, do you think you give them too much? It wasn't like th- twice a day, every day or anything like that. And I just said to her, they're in pain. Mm. I want to treat their pain. They don't need to be in pain. There are ways of of stopping that pain. And I assume you read the side of the packet and what. Oh, absolutely. Knew you of weren't... course, you know you follow the dosage and you don't. Right. And like I said, I'd only do it when they when I could tell that we all know our children. You know when they're in pain. Right. And even now, like I think in the older generation, my mother in law's mother um, is was died in her nineties and is often discussed around the dinner table because she never took a painkiller in her life until the last six weeks of it. Mm. Um, and it's like a badge of honour yeah. and I just, just feel suffering. like saying no well, I don't know whether she maybe she was generally a very you know fit yeah. lady who didn't but I just do think that older generation are like they, they think well my mum thought my children would get immune to the cowpole she was like oh no, don't just get you you'll have to give them a bigger and bigger dose and it's like it's not heroin mum <laughs> <No. laughs> I mean there are certain medications that you can become tolerant of and the opiate based ones you know heroin you mentioned but things yeah. like codeine and tramadol you do you know we try and avoid prescribing them where we can mm. but paracetamol and ibuprofen when taken for a temperature or pain is absolutely mm. fine uh, the other thing I haven't mentioned really, mm. uh, which I probably should, is that if you are thinking about HRT, it doesn't just come in a tablet form. They can come in patches as well mm-hmm. that you can stick onto the top of your arm, onto your collarbone area, uh, and it will release the hormones that way if you're not keen on taking tablets. So I take gel. I have the oestrogen gel. I have the estrogel, yep. which is great, yeah. except <laughs> I have to watch. I do an impression of me when I put my estrogel mm-hmm. on. Sorry, I know this Please is a podcast, do. but I'm going to do this not for Dot Khan. friendly. Okay, she's got up, walking around the table. Walking for it to dry. Walking like Shrek. Yeah, wait for it to dry because you can't put your clothes on until it's dry. So jeans around my ankles, waiting for the Easter gel to dry. I'm sure people are devastated that they've just missed out. You know what? I bet you any money. 
there's at least two other women listening to this and go, I do that too. <laughs> yeah. And that looks like the men, when I go to the gym and they talc their nether regions, they've got talcum powder up. They always walk like that as well. It's the same thing. In between the thighs, you can't, you can't pull yeah. your jeans up because then the jeans get the HRT. The jeans <laughs> don't you. need it. <laughs> there's one area that came up a lot that I haven't mentioned yet. In fact, I don't, you might have touched on it. A low libido. Does that come yeah. back? Yes, it does come back. It really does come back. And that is that 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 will once your hormones settle down, that will come back. Oh. However, saying that, if a low libido is really bothering you, citalopram, which is one of these antidepressants, the SSRI groups, is 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 given to women specifically to increase their libido. I thought they killed uh, your libido, the SSRIs. Citalopram can be, specifically that particular one can be used to increase uh, Oh, I uh, did libido. not know so, that. I thought yes. they were generally but, like sex drive suppressants. Is that the exclusive? They can be. They make, they it, well, it, make, they make be. it a lot harder to come. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. It may, They do make it harder to orgasm, and, and which might not be a bad thing for a man. It might be a good thing Jesus. <laughs> we saw enough, love. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask Dr. Khan, um, and I know I'm not the only one, with these fluctuating periods, with your period being three days early, 10 days late, it's really confusing to know whether you could be pregnant. And I know that a lot of, and on the, on the internet everywhere it says while you're still having periods you can still get pregnant but you don't yes. hear about 48 year old women conceiving naturally or certainly not then carrying a child to term can you just tell us a little bit about i mean obviously you have to be responsible and use birth control but i mean what, what are your chances you at, at what point do you say i'm it's never not uh, yeah i'm not and you know, because even now when my my period was 23 days late wasn't it and well, i was like when i had my period i was like oh i wonder if that's like a missed miscarriage or something i feel like i can answer this question well well you tell dr yes, Khan please and then do. He'll, yeah well no, no. surely yeah, no. if you haven't had a period for a year then you're not going to be getting pregnant but if you're still having periods is there a chance yeah, that's absolutely right. So 12 months Dr. clear of the period, then Gold you don't star. have to use a... <laughs> How, what was it in biology you got? See, right, okay. <laughs> right, it's, Dr. Dr. Pass. it's a pass. <laughs> yeah. I watched every single episode of ER, Dr. Khan, so my medical knowledge is really quite extensive. <laughs> there is, I mean, you say you've not heard of women at 48. I've had patients at 48 who, who thought they were, you know, because their periods had become irregular, they couldn't get pregnant, uh, but they did get pregnant and they had a baby as well. So it's not a healthy impossible. baby. A healthy baby. I'd be needed, so terrified. Needed, I'd be terrified. Yeah, it, it needed consultant-led care and of all course. that through pregnancy, but but it was wow. it was um, a healthy baby. Yeah. Uh, so so the reason why your periods become irregular again is because this this hormone, the follicle stimulating hormone, is working really hard to get your ovaries to release the last of their their eggs, and every so often it will be successful in doing so, and that's why your, your periods become scanty uh, and and then you know. They, they, they're not as regular as they were but there is a chance that like i say every so often you will release an egg most periods during the perimenopausal are uh are what we call um anovulatory, eggless. which means you're not eggless, yeah, yes, eggless. eggless. like, Sorry, like, a, like a like a omelet made with whites only 
Yokeless. Yes. <laughs> Yokeless. <laughs> but, but if you haven't been period free for 12 months, you really should be using contraception if you don't want right. to get pregnant. Okay. Thank you for clearing mm-hmm. that up. I've always wondered. And the other thing I heard, and I'd love to know if this is true, I have heard that multiple, like pregnancies with multiples, like twins, etc., mm. are more common in women of advanced stage because it is your ovaries last gasp. And they're like, yes. ovulate, oh, wow. ovulate, ovulate. So you sometimes get, it's not, it's not um, identical twins. It tends to be for Eternal because there'll be two eggs pop. Is that true? Yeah, it, it, it's possible. It's certainly increased during this perimenopausal phase because your your hormones that stimulate your ovaries are working so hard. They're so high they can overstimulate. So that's why you might get two eggs. Oh, you know instead what? Of, if, instead of one. If anyone listening is one of those women in their late forties that had a multiple, we'd love to hear from you. No, but that, any child will <laughs> be very busy and tired. I know. Yeah, very. It's the tiredness, isn't it? I mean, crikey. Um, Dr. Khan, I think we're going to have to let you go because you've got to get into surgery, haven't you? I do, yes. Oh, <laughs> oh have you? Okay, I've just got no. a very quick question and it's a yes yeah, or no. Yeah. Um, please, will you be our GP? <laughs> yes, I was going to say, will you, will you please be our regular GP? <laughs> yeah, of course I will. Amazing. I'm coming back to talk about the manipulation. You are, right? you so, certainly uh, are. No, I meant personally. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, no, and that too. I mean, Dr. Houston, let me tell you, he's, 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 he's a tough one because he's wonderful, but I think you could take him on. <laughs> oh yes <laughs> oh Dr Khan thank you so much that's all we've got time for this week Irregular Bitches is a Factory Originals production and we have been Sarah Kaywood Louise Mitchell and Dr Amir Khan Woo! until next time stay cool bitches deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.